morning, faithful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely, lovely Thursday. You know how they said like the other day that we had the hottest day in the history of the world, basically? (laughs) Well, my area did not get the memo, okay? Because it was a very temperate 72 degrees. And actually, the nighttime, it hit about 52. Actually, it went down to the 50s, which was quite cold. And it's actually been a very cold summer for us. This is not normal for my area. Usually we have very humid, very hot summers. I remember, I think it was four years ago, we moved my parents. And I remember this specifically because they decided to move on the hottest day of the year. And it was like 95 degrees and extremely humid so humid it felt like you were in a sauna is like how hot and sticky it was and that year was actually an extremely hot summer so somehow my area (laughs) my little corner of ohio has not gotten the memo about the uh sweltering hot summers but i do feel for all of you guys down in texas and arizona i've heard that you've had some pretty hot pretty hot weather down in those areas. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about the book of Acts because we have moved from the book of John and we are in a brand new book of the Bible. And this is like the history of the early church. And the book of Acts was actually written by Luke. You may remember that name because he also wrote the book of Luke, which we went through that entire book as well. Luke is one of the gospels. And Luke was basically a Part one of Luke's writings and Acts, which is what we're going to get into today, is part two of Luke's writings. But to do a recap real quick, the book of Luke had a theme of Jesus having authority. Whenever you read the book of Luke, you're going to notice that the stories all point to Jesus having authority. He had authority over death. He had authority over sickness, over demons, over the Pharisees. Jesus just had authority. He was God in human flesh. And that's what Luke likes to point out in his book of Luke. But as we move into the book of Acts, we're going to see that the theme for Acts is actually the Holy Spirit. So we're really going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and move into the book of Acts and let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 today. We're going to get into this, but don't forget to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning and also your favorite version of the Bible. But for me, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as usual. The first book I wrote, Theophilus, concerned all that Jesus began, both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was received up, after he had given commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also showed himself alive after he suffered, by many proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking about God's kingdom. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me. For John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you now restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It isn't for you to know times or seasons which the Father has set within his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
While they were looking steadfastly into the sky as he went, behold, two men stood by them, in white clothing, who also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who was received up from you into the sky, will come back in the same way as you saw him going into the sky. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had come in, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simeon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord continued steadfastly in prayer and supplication, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So fun fact about me as a child, when I was a little kid, I thought that the book of Acts, it was spelled like A-X, like an axe, like chopping wood. And I just didn't understand <laughs> why it was called the book of Acts. <laughs> but the full title of the book of Acts is actually the Acts of the Apostles. And so you might see that in your Bible if you turn to the book of Acts. It might be the Acts of the Apostles. But over time, it got shortened to Acts, which five-year-old me just did not understand. But anyway, the first paragraph is Luke talking to this guy, Theophilus. No one is really sure who Theophilus is. But he could have been a Roman official, actually, who was very interested in Jesus and in the early church. But no one is 100% sure who Theophilus is because he's only mentioned in the book of Luke and the book of Acts, basically, at the very beginning. So he reminds Theophilus about his first book. He says, The first book I wrote, Theophilus, concerned all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So he reminds him about the workings of Jesus, basically. Until the day in which he was received up after he had given a commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And now the book of Acts begins. He says, To these he also showed himself alive after he suffered, by many proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, speaking about God's kingdom. So Luke reminds Theophilus that many people saw the resurrected Jesus. For 40 days after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to many, many people. And many people were witnesses to seeing Jesus after he died. Being together with the disciples, he commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me. For John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this brings me back to a point I made about a week ago, actually, where I discussed when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. So in the book of John, like at the very end, I think it was the day that Jesus was actually resurrected. Jesus appeared in a room with his disciples and he told them to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he breathed on the disciples. And so I asked the question, when did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? Did they receive it when Jesus breathed on them the day of Jesus's resurrection? Or did they receive it at the start of the book of Acts, where they were waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit talked about here? Here's what it says. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them or Jesus commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which you heard from me for John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when 
when did they receive the Holy Spirit? And personally, I think that they did, in fact, receive the Holy Spirit when Jesus initially breathed on them, basically, when he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because a person can be saved before they're baptized. We know this for sure because the thief on the cross was certainly not baptized, right? He couldn't have possibly been baptized, but Jesus said to the thief that he would be in paradise that very day. So the thief didn't get baptized. So we know that people can, in fact, be saved without getting baptized. Of course, baptism is a commandment, and we are, in fact, supposed to be baptized. And Jesus showed that himself by getting baptized, basically. Regardless, a person can be saved before they are baptized. And I think that that's also true with the Holy Spirit. A person can have the Holy Spirit before receiving a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I am very confused about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if everybody who is a Christian receives a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would guess in some some way, yes, we do. But typically when you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see like miraculous power going alongside with it. So I guess that's what kind of confuses me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we get more into it, I'm going to try to do a little bit more research on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and talk more about that in the next coming days. But for now, I'm just going to answer the question that I posed earlier, which is, can you receive the Holy Spirit before getting baptized in the Holy Spirit? And personally, I think, yes, you can. So anyway, the disciples were not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I do believe they had the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then they ask Jesus, the disciples, they say, Lord, are you now restoring the kingdom to Israel? (laughs) I think this is quite funny because Jesus was about to be ascended into heaven. I don't think the disciples realized that or understood that because you can see the the questioning on their faces as they see Jesus like rise up into heaven. I don't think they expected Jesus to suddenly start floating, but... (laughs) (laughs) But they ask him, Jesus, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This goes back to the belief that the Israelites had in this time period that the Messiah would actually be like an earthly king and get rid of Rome and restore like the kings to Israel, basically. So the disciples clearly have some questions on this and they say, Now, are you going to do it? Are you going to do what we always thought you would do, which is, you know, become a king of Israel and restore it to its former glory? And Jesus says to them, it isn't for you to know times or seasons which the father has set within his own authority. He was basically telling his disciples, it's not time for you to know what the father is doing. Because we do know that when Jesus comes again the second time, he is, in fact, going to come as a warrior and he's going to make everything right again. He's going to come with a lot of justice and he's going to punish the world, but also bless the world with his presence at the same time. So at that point, yes, Jesus is going to come again a second time as a king. And we know that everything will be restored at that point. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples here. 
It's not time for you to know when I will restore the earth. This is a very consistent answer Jesus gives every time the disciples ask when Jesus is going to become a king, like an earthly king, I guess. Jesus never gives a direct answer. Every single time he says, it's not for you to know. It's only for the father to know when that happens. But then in verse eight, he tells them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So right there, he says, okay, it's not time for you to know when I will come again. Just do your part. So I think a lot of people have a tendency, and I'm not trying to, um, <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize this because I do understand it in some ways. But I think a, a lot of people have a tendency to become obsessed about end times. But every single time Jesus gets a question about end times, he always goes back to the individual and he says, it's not time for you to know. Just go do your part. This is exactly what he says here to his disciples. The spirit is going to overwhelm you with his power and you're going to go out into all the earth and preach to every single creature. This is the Great Commission. That is my mission with this podcast is the Great Commission. And you guys as Christians have that same exact authority. You have authority to preach the gospel. And that's why I don't like it when certain leaders and pastors say that the Bible is too complicated for the average person to understand. Because it's not, firstly. Anybody can open it up, read it, and understand it. I mean, look at me. I didn't go to college. I am not educated in the scriptures. But yet, I do believe that God has opened doors for me to do this podcast, and God continues to open doors all the time. So anybody can open the scriptures, read it, and understand it. It is not too difficult for people to understand. And to say that is in some ways, I think, dangerous because that tells certain people that they aren't educated enough to go out and spread the gospel to their friends and family members. But that's certainly not the case. So as Jesus was saying these things in verse 9, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly into the sky as he went, <laughs> so suddenly Jesus starts floating away. He floats up. And this was, this was miraculous. Like, don't get me wrong. This was shockingly miraculous. And this also proved a point to the disciples, actually. It proved that Jesus had come down from heaven. They saw him go back up from where he came from. And now all of a sudden, there's these two angels standing by in white clothing. And they say to the disciples, why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus has gone back to where he came from. He has gone back into heaven and you will see him come back down out of the sky. One thing that really struck me about this is that Jesus did not say goodbye to his disciples. He just ascended. And I think that's also another thing that was super shocking to the disciples. Maybe they were like looking up into the sky, wondering if he's going to come back down <laughs> and what's going to happen. I'm sure they just weren't 
sure with what was going on with the ascension of Jesus. And the the two angels were there, I think, to share with the disciples, look, he went back up into heaven. He's going to come again. And so that's why Jesus didn't need to say goodbye to his disciples, because he was going to come back again. And he it wasn't the last time Jesus was going to see them either. He was going to see them again, and he is going to come back. He's just on a hiatus until that point, until whatever needs to be done is done for him to come back to earth again. So that's why Jesus didn't say goodbye, because it was not a goodbye. So they returned to Jerusalem, just as Jesus told them to. We know from other gospel accounts that they returned to Jerusalem in great joy. They were joyful about these things that had just happened to them. They were joyful that Jesus was going to come again, and this time come again forever and be the king forever. Because when Jesus comes back, that's the end of the world as we know it currently. Now, of course, the world is still going to exist for some time. Jesus isn't going to just destroy it. It's very clear that there's going to be a thousand year reign. So Jesus is going to come back to earth, make everything right again. He's going to come back as a warrior. He's going to come back with a lot of justice. And he's going to reign for a thousand years on the earth as it currently is now. And when that happens, Jesus is never going away again. We're going to be able to like basically be with Jesus for all eternity in a perfect paradise kind of world, if that makes sense. And this is just me with my very limited knowledge of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes again. Because not much is really said about it, but we do know that everything's going to be made right. So the disciples are very thankful and they're very joyful about everything that they had just experienced. And I think in some ways they were joyful to have closure that Jesus truly was from heaven (laughs) because he went back up. But anyway, they go into the upper room. And they, it says that they all continued steadfastly in prayer and supplication. So that means like prayer and uh, thanksgiving and community and fellowship, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So this is another very important phrase here, along with the women. Because before this, the Israelite men did not worship with women and vice versa. Women did not worship with men. So in some ways, this is very groundbreaking that the disciples were with the women, praying with women and fellowshipping with women, worshiping with women. This is groundbreaking because this just didn't happen basically until this point. In many ways, Christianity helped pull the two sexes together and give them a lot of unity. We're going to talk more, a lot more about that later on. And the chosen if you guys have seen the, the Chosen series, it did a really good job showing how women were treated in regards to religion um, during the time of Jesus, because women weren't even allowed to study the Torah. They weren't allowed to study anything. They didn't have the knowledge of being able to read and study the way we have it now. And Christianity did a ton to allow women to 
begin reading the Bible and having the same rights as men had, specifically regarding religion. So all the women are there in this room with the disciples. They are praying together. They are worshiping together. And it says Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there as well, along with his brothers, which is another interesting phrase because we know that the brothers actually didn't believe in Jesus. And it kind of seems like they didn't really like Jesus. But now it seems like they have been pulled in. And I would guess because Jesus appeared to them after his death. And I think they began to realize that Jesus was who he says he said he was. He was the Messiah. And I think the brothers, Jesus's brothers were finally beginning to understand that and were pulled in along with Mary, Jesus's mother, the women and the other disciples. But we're going to end there for today and we're going to talk more about the rest of this chapter on what day? On Tuesday. So tune in next Tuesday to discuss more of the book of Acts with me. But don't forget that in the Old Testament, we are also moving into a new book of the Bible. We are going to be talking about Judges, which is a very, very different book from the book of Acts. And so it's going to be really cool to go from Judges to Acts. But in a unique way, actually, Judges is kind of similar to Acts in the fact that it's a very history-based book that talks about the early Israelite faith. <laughs> so in, in, in some ways, Judges is very similar to Acts as well. But anyway, we're going to be discussing all of that. It's going to be really cool to switch back and forth from Judges to Acts to show just the difference between the heart of the people in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. So stay tuned for all of that. That's going to happen on Monday. But until then, we're going to finish up the last chapter of Joshua tomorrow. So tune in then for that. Friends and faithful listeners, go over to YouTube because I have a brand new episode out. It is an interview I did with a friend. She talks about the trauma that she had with the death of her dad. She talks about an abusive relationship that she went through and also how shame holds us back from really thriving. So that's going to be linked in the description of this podcast episode. Faithful listeners, have a lovely rest of your day. I hope it's not too hot for you guys, but happy listening and God bless.